Did I hear a huge sigh coming from this side of the room? I just laughed. I'm just sitting there like, they're not have a chance. They're not going to win a game. Oh, but do they have a chance? No, I didn't think they did. Even when they had to lead, I was like, Milwaukee's going to win the game. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, we love to complain as a society, as a country. We just, we just like to, to point out what's wrong. Oh, I would have done it better, right? We like to complain, and I'm the same way, so I'm not, I'm not criticizing. That's just how we're wired. That's how we work, right? I want to start the show today not complaining, uh, but complimenting. The NBA this weekend, I thought, nailed the schedule. Right? We're always complaining about sports scheduling, which, by the way, is a sign that our life's going pretty good. Like, if my biggest complaint when I get to work on Monday is that, oh, Broncos and Chargers was the Sunday night game, and I wish it would have been, you know, Rams, Seahawks. Like, if, that, if that's your biggest complaint, your life's going pretty good. We love to complain about sports scheduling, right? I just want to give a tip to the old cap to the NBA this weekend. Perfect. The early game on Saturday, Jazz Mavericks. I had it on, but it's on mute. I don't care about the Jazz. Timberwolves, Grizzlies, boom. Prime time, middle of the day. Give it to me. Raptors 76, eh, whatever. That's during dinner time. And then if you want to stay up late or watch a game at the bar, well, Nuggets Warriors is on late at night. You can watch Jordan Poole cook. Yesterday, much of the same. Hawks Heat, probably not going to be a competitive series, but could be fun. Jimmy Butler loves pretending to fight people. Trey, you know, Trey Young does these... Antics. Put that Put that at lunchtime. We can have it on mute. And then the middle of the day, Nets Celtics. Boom, primetime. Perfect. And then late at night, Pelican Suns. That's a game that probably not a lot of people watch. So as much as we like to complain, we'll start the show just as in positivity. A compliment. Perfect scheduling by the NBA this weekend. All of the games were in the correct spots. Made for a prime watching experience on the opening weekend <laughs> of the NBA playoffs. I hope you had a great Easter. I'm glad to be back. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Didn't have a show on Thursday because of the Brewers playing at 4 o'clock. I was on vacation on Friday because I wanted to go home and see my family. So I'm sorry about that, but I'm excited to be back. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Going to get into the Brewers at 4.30. Going to get into the Packers at 5.30. And naturally, the Bucks starting the defense of last year's championship with game one against the Bulls yesterday. We're going to talk about that as well. I'd love for you to join the show. If you'd like to give me a call or a text, the number to do so, and I'm going to say it slowly. I've been told that I say it very, very quickly. Here it is. 608-796-2558. You can give me a call or give me a text. I'll open up the phone here in about 15 minutes once the show gets underway. You can always tweet me at Wisco Grant. Not just during the show, but anytime. Chances are I will fight with you online. Uh, it's encouraged. Follow. Interact. Let's have some fun on Twitter. Uh, at Wisco Grant. You can find me there. I want to talk a little Packers draft and about the signing of Sammy Watkins. We'll do that in about an hour and a half at 5.30. Uh, and I want to talk about the Brewers. A weekend series that I think gave us a little bit of everything. We saw the best version of the Brewers. We saw the worst version of the Brewers. And then yesterday we saw something in between. Does Devin Williams have issues? I don't know. I'll tell you what I think. And we can talk about that coming up here in about a half hour. I don't want it to um, two hours straight on the Bucks. That's why I want to mix in Brewers-Packers today. There's other things going on. And the playoffs are just getting started. So, ideally, right, ideally, we can talk about the Bucks and this playoff run for another two hours. Hopefully. 
or not another two hours, but another two months, two hours, not a full two hours. We're going to mix in the Packers and the Brewers. Like I said, I don't want to overwhelm you with NBA basketball today because like I said, hopefully we have a couple of months to talk about that. But I do want to talk about game one yesterday. I want to start with Bucks Bulls and how we should feel about the Bucks winning last night, 93 to 86. Now they jumped out to a big lead and then Chicago came back and they even took the lead for a minute or two. And then the Bucks swiped it away and won an ugly trudge of a game. 93 to 86 yesterday. If you watch that game with zero context, like you didn't watch the regular season, you didn't watch the last week, you've watched nothing. I tell you, hey, these two teams are going to play each other in game one of a playoff series today. The Bulls were the six seed. The Bucks were the three seed. Here you go. Sit down and watch. If that's all the background you had, no context at all, you'd probably walk away from watching that game thinking, well, eh, a little ugly for the Bucks. They seem like the better team, but hey, a win is a win. Right? That's how the playoffs work. If you had no context, that's probably how you would have reacted to yesterday's game. But we have context. Right? This game is a little bit more complex than that, than just simply a win is a win. Right? As I outlined last week, Chicago has been a corpse. They've been a dead man walking for the last month. In April, their average largest deficit over the course of a game was 25 and a half points. They fell behind big in every game they played in the month of April. They played against Boston and Milwaukee and Charlotte and Miami. They're playing all the contenders. The Sixers, they played all the contenders in the Eastern Conference, and they got bombed every time. The largest deficit on average across the month of April was 25 and a half points. And we knew that coming in. We talked about that last week. Also, you want to talk about context? Look around what happened this weekend. The Heat and the Suns. The one seeds in their respective conferences won comfortably. The Warriors won comfortably, even with Steph Curry playing poorly. The Wolves and the Celtics earned tough wins. They had to fight and scratch and claw, and they beat a pretty good Nets team when Kyrie Irving was on. The Wolves beat a really deep and aggressive and fired up Memphis Grizzlies team in Memphis. So you look around the weekend, all of these teams are racking up really impressive wins, and then there's the Bucks. Like, okay, 93-86. I mean, it's a win. A win is a win. Absolutely. But maybe we hoped for a little bit better, especially the way the Bucks started that game. Now, you could use yesterday's game to make just about any argument that you want, right? If you watch sports enough and you're looking at the stats and you know what to, to pick out and you know what to isolate, you can really use yesterday's game as any type of argument that you want. If you're a Bulls fan and you want to argue that the Bulls actually have a pretty good shot in this series, you certainly could. You could say, well, uh, well, the Bulls, uh, game one in Milwaukee, you know, DeRozan and Levine and Vooch, uh, nobody played well. They combined to shoot 21 of 71. That's not going to happen again. And they only they only lost by seven. You could argue the Bulls should have won that game. We're in a great spot. Wow, look at this. We got a series, right? You could say that. Or Bucks fans, you could say, well, my Bucks, they shot 26% from three. That sucks. Shot 65% from the free throw line. That stinks. And they had 21 turnovers. The Bucs gave away the ball 21 times and still won. Wow, the Bucs won't play that poorly again. Or we're cruising to a sweep. Bucks in four. Right? You can make any argument that you wanted. Bucks fans think the officials favored Chicago. Bulls fans thought the fix was in for the Bucs. Right? It just, we're getting nowhere with this. It's whatever. You can make any argument that you want. So I'm not going to make an argument to start the show today. I'm not going to argue that this was some ringing endorsement of the Bucks' toughness and their ability to win ugly. 
I'm not going to use yesterday's game as yet another piece of evidence that Chicago can't beat contending teams, although that's what the evidence would tell us over the last month. I'm not going to make any argument about either one of these teams. I just want to talk about yesterday's game. Yes, the Bucks probably should have won by more. Sure. I'm not really sure it matters, though. All right? We're going to do an exercise that I like to do when I'm a little confused by a game and I'm not really sure how I should feel about it. So an ugly loss or a prom- or a, an ugly win or a promising loss, right, when a result is a little bit muddled or a little conflicted on how to feel, this is an exercise I like to do, right? Consider all of the outcomes, right? Let's play this game 10 times, right? And let, okay, well, if this one play goes differently, how does the game turn out, right? If this shot goes in, how does the game turn out? If this player just plays a smidge better, what changes, right? Consider all the realistic possibilities, all the alternate realities of what could have happened in yesterday's game, a game in which the Bucks won 93-86, right? Consider all the different outcomes and maybe how we would have felt about those different outcomes and maybe that'll tell us how we should feel about this game and how we should feel moving forward. I think the Bucks play again on Wednesday, correct? Yeah. Alternate reality number one of yesterday's game. And this is very realistic. This easily could have happened. Bulls squeak out a close win. Steal game one on the road. Just flip the score. Let's say the Bulls win 93 to 86 instead of the Bucks winning 93 to 86. Easily could have happened yesterday. You don't need to do a lot of rearranging in this game to make that work. Let's say Nikola Vucevic just makes a few more bunnies. He had a great shot at the rim coming down the wire in the fourth quarter that just didn't go. He had a lot of putbacks that didn't go. Vuce also shot two of 10 from three. Let's say he makes one more or two more. Vooch just makes a few more bunnies, right? Let's just say that happened. Very reasonable. By the way, he went one of seven when shooting uh, over Drew Holiday as the primary defender yesterday. So Drew did a pretty good job on him. Let's say Vooch just makes a few more bunnies, okay? And let's say that DeMar DeRozan goes 11 of 25 instead of 6 of 25. That's, that's not unreasonable. Just makes a few more shots. He's a really good player. He should be a little bit better than 6 of 25. And let's say that the Bulls don't fall into a huge deficit early. They trailed in the first quarter at one point, 21 to 9. Let's say those three things go differently. Very reasonable, very realistic. Vooch hits a couple more shots. DeRozan makes a small handful more shots, and they don't fall behind early, right? There is an alternate universe, very reasonable, very realistic, where the scores flipped and the Bulls win close. Absolutely, that could have happened. And if that would have happened, how would we be feeling today? I don't think I'd be upset. I don't think I'd be crushing Coach Bud. I don't think I'd be crushing Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday. I think I'd be, I think he'd be tired. I'd be like, Ugh, now we're going to have to play five games instead of four. You know what I mean? Like, oh, now we got it. Now this is going to become a thing. Now I got to talk seriously about the Bulls and what they did right and what they, it just would have made more work for me. It would have been more work for Bucks fans. I'd feel no different about the Bucks' chances of winning the series and advancing. I would just be annoyed, right? Very reasonable that the Bulls could have won 93-86 yesterday. And if they would have, I don't think it would have been a huge deal. And I think that's important to consider, right? Another alternate reality, I think still very realistic, the Bucks win this game by 10 or 15 more points. This easily could have happened as well. The Bucks turned the ball over 21 times, which is just bananas. I was, I was just kind of laughing. Watching the game, it was so sloppy, especially in the third quarter and to begin the fourth. The Bucs were just giving the ball away. They turned the ball over 21 times. Let's just take away three of those turnovers. So they have 18 instead of 21, which is still nuts. I have three specific turnovers in mind. 
I thought of them this morning while driving to work, and then I went and I actually pulled when and where they happened and what the score was. 11-29 remaining in the fourth quarter. The Bucks are up 74-71. Bucks get a fast break going. They have numbers. Should have been a transition layup. Grayson Allen throws it into the stands. You probably remember this if you were watching, and you're like, oh, my God. So the Bucks up three, should have gotten an easy Duncan transition to either Giannis or I think the other guy was Chris. They had multiple guys who were running at the rim. Grayson Allen makes a bad pass, throws it into the stands. So instead of being up five at home to start the fourth quarter, get some juice, get some momentum, it's a turnover. Ugh. Okay, so that sucks some air out of the room. 6.58 remaining in the fourth quarter. Bucks are up 77-74. Drew Holiday kind of inexplicably just throws it away on a bounce pass, which leads to a Kobe White layup. So instead of a good shot attempt or drawing a foul or at the very least a dead ball turnover, and maybe the Bucks go up 79-74, again, a chance to go up five. Instead, you hand the Bulls an easy two points on a Kobe White layup. 337 remaining in the fourth quarter. Bucks are up five. 85-80. You got to figure one or two buckets, a little mini run here gets the crowd energized, all but seals the game. Giannis makes a nice sneaky pass underneath to Brooke, who was open. Could have went up for the layup, at the very least gotten fouled, but he wasn't really ready for the pass. It was close quarters, kind of playing in a phone booth. The ball goes out of bounds. Like, oh, God. So he had a chance to go up five, another chance to go up five, a chance to go up seven. And in each one of those three situations, it ended in a turnover. One of them, a live ball turnover that led to a Kobe White layup on the other end. Take away those three turnovers. Leave the other 18, which is still an insanely high number of turnovers. The Bucks probably win by 10 or more points. You don't really have to do a lot of rearranging for the Bucks to run away with this game comfortably. Right? The Bucks then have 18 turnovers. God, I can't believe they turned the ball over that much. I'm looking at them right now. It's just one after another. And they're really ugly. Chris Middleton had seven. Just take away three. Take away those three. Bucks run away with that game. Another slight tweak that would have led the Bucks to run away with this game easily. The Bucks shot 36.5% from three over the course of the regular season. They were sixth highest in make percentage. So the sixth best three-point shooting team. And they were fifth in volume. So they were a team that shot the best from three and a team that shot a lot of threes. They're a good three-point shooting team. They shot 26% last night, which stinks. And it's about 10 points below their season average. Let's boost that to 30. Let's boost it up to 30%, right? So add 4, 4%, still below average. Add six points or so. Again, the Bucks run away with this game. I say all that to say this. If you simulate yesterday's game 10 times, there's a world in which the Bulls steal it and win. Absolutely. Very reasonable, very realistic. I kind of outlined it for you. But there's also a really reasonable world in which the Bucs completely run away with that game, despite playing really poorly. The Bucs did not play well yesterday. <laughs> and if you just changed like two or three tiny little things, things that you wouldn't even notice. If I were to go back and edit that game, use some type of video editing technology to, to tweak the highlights, to, to just change a couple plays, I, I think I could edit it in such a way that would lead the Bucks to win by 10-plus points, and you wouldn't even notice a difference watching the highlights. you just see, oh, at the very end, they won by 10 instead of 7. You know what I mean? Do you get my point? Very reasonable, yes, that the Bulls could have stolen that game. Maybe the Bucks got away with something yesterday. Certainly helped to be at home. Certainly helped to have Giannis, right? They just have advantages that the Bulls don't. They're better defensively. They're bigger. They have more options on offense. Brooke Lopez, look at that. Came to play yesterday. Another thing we talked about last week. 
There's absolutely a world in which the Bulls could have stolen that game, and that would be a, a world that, yes, the Bucks maybe got a little lucky yesterday. I think the Bulls are also lucky that it was as close as it was because if you just tweak two or three things, minor, minor things yesterday, minor plays, the Bucks run away with this game comfortably. And that's why I'm not going to dwell on this game today. The Bucks typically don't fare well in game ones anyways, so I don't see a lot of sense in breaking this game down to the nitty-gritty detail because I don't ultimately think it's going to matter. 608-796-2558. Let's take a break. You can tweet me as well, at Wisco Grant. I have one more thing I want to talk about with this game. I want to talk about Coach Bud and kind of a weird final two minutes. And then we'll get into the Brewers at 430. The Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show gonna talk just a few more minutes on the bucks and then we'll get to baseball i get basketball isn't everyone's main squeeze nba playoffs just getting started so we don't need to gorge ourselves and overdo it today some packers talk in the second half of the show as well my name is grant bills twitter at wisco grant if you want to text or call you can 608-796-2558 thomas on the north side bert in minneapolis says, hi, Grant, don't want to force you to talk Timberwolves. Ah, but we should talk a little bit about the Timberwolves. If you're a Giannis fan, you should be an Anthony Edwards fan. There's not a ton of similarity in their game. I mean, they're both really physical. They're specimens athletically. Um, but just in their style of play, they're just going 100 miles an hour all the time. So, Bert, no, we should talk about the Timberwolves. Really fun game on Saturday. I'm surprised they won. Not to diss your team, but... I don't think Wolves fans are expecting you to come away with game one either. He says, can you believe they are broadcasting tomorrow night's game on NBA TV? Love to hear your thoughts. Oh, the classic my team isn't on national TV conversation. I love this one. And as a Bucks fan, I'm well-practiced. I'm well-versed in this one. So let's see. Tonight is Raptors, Sixers, Jazz Mavericks, Nuggets, Warriors. So tomorrow night, I'm assuming uh, Atlanta and Miami. That's going to be on TNT. And then who's the late game? Let me look here. Yep, Hawks heat the early game on TNT. Oh, Pelican Suns is the late game. Boo, that sucks. Wolves Grizzlies is buried on NBA TV. Well, as an owner of NBA League Pass, Bert, I have no issue with this. I have no quarrel, but um, yeah, that sucks. Pelican Suns, I mean, look, it's fun to watch the Suns. The Suns are a really good team. It was a joy to watch Chris Paul kind of close it down in the fourth quarter last night. Uh, but Timberwolves-Grizzlies was the primetime game on Saturday for a reason, and it lived up to the billing, just like Celtics-Nets did yesterday as well. And, Brett, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, or Bert, excuse me. I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, but I, I started the show. My first thing that I talked about was well done to the NBA. The games were scheduled really well this weekend. The best games were in the prime afternoon spots. There was a fun kind of plucky, lighthearted, whimsical game to start at noon, like that, that was perfect. Throw, throw that on at lunch um, and mute when you ate Easter or Easter brunch with your family. It was great. Hawks heat was the perfect game for that. I don't want Hawks heat on primetime over Wolves Grizzlies. Yeah, I'm with you, Bert. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Bucks won 93-86 yesterday. I opened the show talking about how I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. Sure, the Bucks could have easily lost yesterday's game if just a couple of plays go differently. They also could have won by a dozen or more. They could have ran away with this game if just one or two things would have gone differently, right? So it felt like this game was teetering on a loss, 
the whole time I'm like, man, they should be up by a pile, right? So it was also teetering on a blowout. Interesting way to look at this game. History would tell us that the Bucks are going to come back in game two, beat the absolute tar out of the Bulls, and then have one final gasp in game three where the Bulls will give you their best punch. That's typically how it goes. Game one is a toss-up. Game two is a beat down for the home team, and then you get the best punch from the away team in game three, trying to even the series up or, or draw closer to even, right? Make it two to one if the home team wins and, and keeps home court advantage. That's what history would tell us. We'll see if that remains the case with the Bucks. I'm interested to think if the Bucks hadn't have won the title last year, I wonder what would we what would we be saying about Coach Bud today? I'm I'm curious. Um, Billy Donovan wasn't perfect either in this game. He didn't use his challenge on that Patrick Williams foul on Giannis. I think it would have been upheld. Patrick Williams was, he was quote-unquote boxing out, but there's a difference between boxing out and making an effort to get to the ball and just undercutting someone who's trying to rebound. You can't cut into someone's airspace, which is basically what Patrick Williams did. Who knows, though? You might as well try the challenge. It was odd that Billy Donovan didn't, seeing Giannis already had five, although Bud just basically pulled him out of the game and fouled him out anyways. That's what I want to talk about next. Billy Donovan and the Bulls also took a two-point shot down five. Maybe that's just because DeRozan is a very good three-point shooter. Like, that's just kind of how the Bulls operate in the mid-range, so get the best shot available and worry about what happens next, next, if the shot goes in. I just thought those were some odd things that Billy Donovan did. Bud was far from perfect yesterday, too. I... I wonder if Bud is just kind of an airhead or if this is just this is just how he rolls. Giannis was on the bench waiting to check in at the end of the game for like 90 seconds. And I have a real hard time believing that Coach Bud just forgot he was there. Oh, shoot, Giannis isn't out there. They had two timeouts. You don't just want to go throw casual fouls around at the end because you don't want to put anyone on the line and you don't want to stack up fouls to eventually put someone on the line and you don't want to saddle... Chris or Drew with a foul, although let's see here. Middleton only had two fouls. Drew only had three, so it wouldn't have been a big deal, but again, you don't want to climb closer to the bonus or put someone directly on the line just to get Giannis back in the game. You just got to get him back in the game, though, somehow, right? You have to find a way. By hook or by crook, you need to get Giannis back into that game. Defensive player of the year, the Bucks are playing with a lead, he sat from 124 remaining in this game when the Bucs were up three to 15.3 seconds left when the Bucs were up four. This is a really useful defensive player you want in the game for that stretch. Now, maybe Bud thought his defensive utility had dropped just a little bit because with five fouls, you need to play a little bit less aggressive. Maybe he was keeping Giannis protected in the event that this game went to overtime. He didn't want to you know, foul out Giannis. I, I don't know. But Giannis, for about 90 seconds, was just hanging at the check-in table. <laughs> I hate when coaches foul their own players out, you know? Oh, he gets two early fouls, so I'm going to sit him on the bench the rest of the half. It's like, okay, what's the difference, though? Him actually fouling out or you just sitting him on the bench for fear of fouling out? What's the difference? It's the same, right? You might as well go down swinging rather than going down in fear. Well, I can't put him in. He might foul out. Well, by keeping him on the bench, you've essentially fouled out your own player, right? We see this a lot in college basketball. I think coaches are a little bit a little bit freaky, a little bit freaked to get their players fouled out. And to a degree, I get that. But also, don't just stash him on the bench. I don't think that's Bud. I, I just think this is how Bud operates. I used a baseball analogy on Twitter last night, at Wisco Grant. I tweeted this. I think it's a good analogy. I tweeted... If Coach Bud managed the Brewers, he would refuse to close with Hater unless the lead was only one run. 
Do you know what I mean? If Brewers were up three, same situation, right? I think Coach Bud would try to get away with using Gott or Gustave or Suter. It's like, man, we got three runs to play with. Do we really need to use Josh Hader? Do we really do we really need him? If you're up two runs, oh, we're playing the Pirates. They're not going to score two runs. Let's bring Brent Suter in. We can keep Hader fresh for tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Coach Bud, if he was a baseball manager, would bring in his closer with a three-run lead, even though that is a traditional save situation. I think he'd be like, oh, we can, <laughs> we can save him. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Do you get this analogy? I think it's a good one. I just, I envision the situation where Coach Bud is at the top step of the dugout in the bottom of the ninth. Right, and he's got a, he may make call to a bullpen. Who are we bringing in? Up three in St. Louis, big must win game. And I could just picture him picking up the phone on the wall and saying, "Yeah, keep Josh, keep jo- keep Josh down. He, he uh, let's get Gustave in. He needs work. He, I think he'll give us a good outing here. <laughs> right? It's the sports equivalent of being cheap. You're trying to get by with as little as possible. In 2019, when they played the Heat in the bubble. Giannis played 37 minutes, 36 minutes, 35 minutes. And they lost all three of those games. And as this series is slipping away from the Bucs, Giannis's minutes are decreasing. He plays 37 minutes, which isn't a lot for a playoff game, especially after a three-month rest. And Coach Bud's response is, play him less as the season goes along and as the series in the bubble goes along. I just think this is how Coach Bud's wired. A lot of people think, oh, he's stupid. He forgot to put his best player back in. I No, I think it was on purpose. I don't think he's stupid. I just think he's stubborn. I think that's how Bud operates. And I wonder if the Bucks hadn't won the finals last year, what we would we be saying about Coach Bud today? I wonder. I don't know. Sometimes he seems to make it harder on his team rather than easier. It's bizarre. Let's take a break. I want to get to the Brewers. I'd love to hear from you. I'm trying not to beat you over the head with Bucks talk today and NBA playoffs talk. I would love to talk about the Celtics and the Nets or the Heat, or the Sixers and Tyrese Maxey, but I'm not going to do that to you today. We're going to talk Brewers for about a half hour. We'll get back into the Bucks a little bit, but I want to do some Packers stuff at 5.30 as well. I'm really excited for the rest of the Wisco Sports Show. Hang out. We're back here in five minutes. Stick around. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Grant Bills. Yes, the Bucks won yesterday. It was a weird game. I think we're all a little conflicted on how to feel about it. We'll get back to that. We'll touch base on that at 5. We're going to do some Packers stuff at 5.30. I want to talk about the Brewers because they had an interesting weekend as well. We got a little bit of everything. Great game, two really bad games, and then a good game somewhere in the middle. So we hit the whole spectrum, the Goldilocks thing. With a four-game series against the Cardinals, they split two games to two, winning the first and the last game. So I want to talk about that, and I'd love for you to join the show. 608-796-2558. You can also find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I think I got a new follower over the break. Who was it? Derek. Hey, Derek, thanks for the follow. I appreciate you, brother. Tweet tweet me a Brewer's Day. Come on. Join the show. Join the fun. It's been a quiet show so far. So plenty of room. Also, again, text and call. I've been told I say the number too fast, so I'll say it again. 608-796-2558. We haven't had a chance to talk since last Wednesday. I know I had a show on Friday, but it wasn't live. I put together a best of show. Um, we rehashed some Bucks Bulls preview things, including a conversation with Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network. That was from last week. 
Uh, I replayed that deep dive segment we did on the Bulls and their month of April and how they just haven't been good. Uh, and that continued yesterday. Uh, the Bucks didn't play well either. So the game ended up being closer, I think, than we all expected. So that was Friday. And then Thursday we were off because of the Brewers' home opener. I think this whole St. Louis series was such a perfect microcosm of the Brewers. Thursday was the peak version of this team, right? That's that's what it's supposed to look like. And then Friday, like that's the worst version of this team. If everything goes wrong, it's Friday. That's what it looks like. And then Saturday, bad again. It wasn't as bad as as Friday, but still pretty bad. And then Sunday, yesterday, a lot of good and a little bit of bad. And the Brewers were able to sneak out a win. I think this weekend series is so interesting because it truly was, I don't know, it was everything. It was truly everything. Let's talk to Vagabond John, 608-796-2558. John, what's going on? What's up? Grant, can we get a quick weather report out of lacrosse? Are you guys getting snow or no? It was snowing when I walked to my car to get my water bottle right before the show. Not heavy, not heavy, but it was getting in my eyes at the very least, so it's it's noticeable, but that's about it. So I was developing a sports-related take, and then the snow today, hammering Green Bay, we're getting little flurries here in Madison. I just jokingly sent to the volleyball uh, crew, I said, hey, anybody up for some pickup today? And, uh, you know, just trying to set their expectations for weather related for volleyball. But I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I also think it's probably contentious. Is this the worst time of the year for sports? I understand that NBA playoffs, Mm. I I really enjoy the finals. Baseball games absolutely do not matter, although it is very entertaining to watch Brewers fans uh, get extreme opinions in one direction or the other. There are a lot of really good baseball teams that will be held scoreless during this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, It will happen to a lot of teams because it's baseball, and that's what happens in baseball. But with the NBA, I mean, a lot of these series are going to be sweeps or close to it. These games don't really matter. The playoffs really don't heat up for another two, three weeks. I'm talking about from the end of the Final Four until draft day. I'm declaring the absolute worst, like, three, four-week period in, in for certainly for Wisconsin because we always seem to get random snowstorms oh, yeah. to just make everybody's mood worse. I feel but, like, I feel like the, the, the middle of the summer, there's just less going on. Like, you, you talk about how all of these different things are boring, but there are all of these different things. Like, there are the NBA playoffs. There is baseball. We're getting ready for the draft, right? There are things going on, whereas you talk about the middle of the summer – it's boring and there's hardly anything going on, you know? So I'm going to probably lean towards this time of year versus like MLB all-star break. I also sneaky kind of like baseball this time of year. There's so much promise. You're filled with wonder of what might happen over the next two or three months, how the team might change and where they might go. Like I kind of like that. You, you view it as a negative, which I understand. I view it as a positive. And I like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I consider myself an enthusiast for pretty much all sports, but, of the baseball season, and, and yes, if if the Brewers are having a bad year, uh, April and May are certainly better than August and September. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we're not expecting that. You know, they're going to be a good team. They're going to have a hopefully great season, right? Yeah. So that makes June and July way more exciting for me. Also, Miller Park is an excellent ballpark because it has a roof. But when the roof is open, Miller Park is at its best. And uh, so, you know, we can agree to disagree. I just 
can't put do I huge football. And that's when the narratives really start to go. That's when fantasy football mock draft season starts, which is a whole separate season for me. Um, And then separate take, uh, unrelated, uh, the guy who won MVP this year in the NBA. How do you pronounce his last name? Uh, Nikola Jokic? He's going to. He hasn't yet, but he's going to. You're right. Oh, yeah, he's going to win it. Um, He he had the worst plus-minus on his team. So this is my NBA take for the day. I know it's an overreaction for one playoff game, but is he going to get exposed as not really being the all-around superstar that most MVPs usually are? I understand that he's worked on his defensive game over the last couple of years, but and this is you know for the non-NBA fans, I'm sorry, Grant's probably no, going to have to respond to this, but <laughs> is he going to get exposed? Because it's tough. He's got this. Of, of, oh, my teammates are injured and hurt and I don't have a lot of help around me. But then at the same time, his teammates did better when he was off the floor. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's just in, in a grander sense. And we saw this with Giannis two years ago. It's amazing how fans turn on an MVP if they lose early in the playoffs. You can get away with it once or twice. Like it can happen. Giannis is bouncing the conference finals in 18-19. He won the MVP. We all celebrated him. But he came back the next year. He won it again. And from the jump, when the bubble started, people are like, well, if Giannis gets bounced early again this year, then that MVP, like, we, we turn on these guys so fast. So that's certainly a factor with Jokic, too. I also think, it, John, Jokic wouldn't win an MVP 10 years ago because his team is a six seed. And that that, that never would have happened 10 years ago. I also, it, it just, we wouldn't have done it. So he's also being set up to fail in that sense because his team's not supposed to win in the playoffs. And, and he won the MVP anyways, which is never a situation we used to put MVPs in. Yeah, and uh, it's fun for me because the two friends that I have that are most involved in the NBA are huge Colts and uh, Pacers fans. Okay. And obviously Russell Westbrook was connected as a potentially headed to Indiana. I don't think it's going to happen, but it was. And they were just hyping up Jokic because, oh, he's a triple-double machine. Yeah. And I would just tell them, like, keep that same energy when Russell Westbrook (laughs) is on your team. That's that's very (laughs) true. Oh, my God. Hey, before, right. before I let you go, did you watch the USFL this weekend? I didn't. I almost forgot it was on. So I'm I, curious. That was one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Head into a tunnel, so I appreciate it. Or I, I apologize if it gets sketchy here. But no, uh, tonight is the night to watch the USFL for Wisconsin fans. Obviously, we have the Pittsburgh Maulers with our boy Garrett Groshek. I think he's still rocking the mullet. And then, of course, John Dietzen. And there's one other that's escaping my my thoughts off the top of my head, but our Badger boys uh, for the Pittsburgh Maul- How perfect is it, Grant, that the Pittsburgh yeah. Maulers are the ones who have three, like one Wisconsin fullback and, and then two Wisconsin offensive linemen. I think they did that just for, um, you know, marketing purposes. But I am excited to see it. I think it's a, a lot of the guys involved in the USFL are, um, you know, they had their college careers affected by COVID one way or the other, or mm-hmm. their football development affected one way or the other, and I think it's a great opportunity. I wish our boy, uh, you know, obviously don't want to make this too political, but I wish our boy uh, Colin Kaepernick would, would give it a shot. Yeah. I think that he would get the most money by far, and I think he would draw certainly the most eyes, and I don't understand how a deal that didn't get done to get him in that league sounds like he's now open to being a backup in the NFL and it's like well why not why not just go experiment with this we need some star power 
Shea Patterson is not going to be not going to be it. So <laughs> Dude, that was bad. We that was one on. clip I did see, and it was the Shea Patterson. He fumbled twice, right down at down near the goal line, and it turned into a scoop and score the other way. That was bad. That was really bad. It's, it was it was tough. I, I do. I am excited for a development. I do think we need a second pro league to fill this void of the sports season yeah. and i think it would be an awesome opportunity for a lot of guys coming out of schools like wisconsin who just are fringe you know oh i think olive sagapulo might be on the ballers as well so guys like that that were talented in college don't quite have enough developed to make in the nfl but you know go play pro because our basketball our basketball guys over in europe as we talked about last time uh you know they do really well so yeah We'll see. Well, I'm looking at this roster now. Maybe we'll have to talk more about this. I appreciate the call, John. Man, have a good night. Yep. You as well. Later. That's Vagabond John. Later, dude. 608-796-2558. Yeah, the Maulers. I'm looking at the lineup right now. That is true, by the way. It would be nice to have a second league for guys that are just on the fringe because you never know. right? Some guys are late bloomers. Like, some guys can be really late bloomers. Right? You deal with an injury in college. You're not in the right situation. Maybe you do go to the USFL, you play for two seasons, and then you latch on with the pro team, and it turns out to to work out really well. Now, that's going to be, for sure, the biggest outlier situation, but I'm also not going to watch. Like We, we didn't talk about this at all last week because there's uh, stuff going on. I will not watch the USFL. It's not. I'm not anti-football. I'm not anti-USFL. There's just enough stuff going on. I'm going to watch the NBA playoffs. I'm going to watch the Brewers. I'm going to watch a couple national baseball games a week. And I'm even going to watch the Wild. I watched the Dallas game and not a lot, but a little bit of the St. Louis game yesterday. I'm not a hockey fan, but hey, the Wild are good. My, uh, that's, that's my, my, my hockey friends who played hockey in high school that I talked to. I want to be able to shoot the breeze a little bit. I don't got time for USFL. Sorry. But if you like it, hey, watch it. Call in, talk about it. I'll chat about it with you, but I'm not going to have much to add. Let's take a break. I want to add a couple of things about the Brewers before we get back into the Bucks at 5 o'clock. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had an excellent Easter and a nice weekend. Started the NBA playoffs. Brewers had a four-game set against the Cardinals. USFL for those who celebrate spring football. I did not watch, but hey, no knock on you if you did. I even watched a little bit of the Wild this weekend. An overtime win against Dallas and an overtime loss to the Blues. Those Blues, they just have the Wild's number. I I think at least. I don't watch hockey, but I I hear things. That seems to be the case over the last couple of years. Those damned Blues. 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. This weekend series against the Cardinals, it's really funny to me because when you zoom out and you look at all four of these games, right? Thursday, they won five to one. That's the best version of the Brewers. That's peak Brewers in this era, right? Great starting pitching. Woodruff was great. Five innings, only three hits. He should have been able to go six or seven, but Lance Barrett couldn't get a grip behind home plate. Made him throw like an extra 20 pitches because he wouldn't ring up Paul Goldschmidt. Twice when he should have. Twice. Two times he should have. He couldn't pull the trigger. Coward. Yelich came inches from a home run. Wong ran from McCutcheon. Base not Garbi eyes. Narvaez had a homer. I hope that you've heard this. 
But if you haven't heard this, this is just incredible by Bob Uecker. Narvaez looking for his first home run of the year. There it is. Get up. Get up. Get out of here. Gone for Omar Narvaez. And the Brewers add one more. No doubt about that, baby. Bob Uecker, ladies and gentlemen. So Friday, Thursday was perfect. Friday and Saturday, you saw the other side of the coin, right? When things get bad. When this version of the Brewers doesn't play well, it's really hard to watch. Freddie was terrible on Friday. He got the first two outs of the game in like five pitches, and then the Cardinals pertinier batted around with two outs and gave up four runs in the first. Brewers couldn't score. Hauser was fine on Saturday, but the Brewers' offense couldn't do a dang thing, like on Friday as well. By the way, through, I believe, 10 games now, Brewers have scored the second-fewest runs in the National League to start the season. They've only had five home runs, which is better than only the Orioles. Name me someone who plays for the Orioles. The Brewers played them last week. So name one guy who hits for the Orioles. I think I can do one. Oh, I can name Mancini, Trey Mancini, and Luis Urias' brother. I can remember those guys. And that one guy who hit leadoff that Craig Council talked about after one of the games. He's like, yeah, that guy's good. That guy, too. I don't remember his name. We also got to talk about Devin Williams before we get back into the Bucks. I, man, it's had a tough week. Four appearances, three of them have gone really poorly. He's been removed in the eighth inning twice now. Only been through 10 games. Season's barely been going two weeks. He can't put away guys with his fastball. Up until yesterday, the velocity was down a little bit. Yesterday, he couldn't locate his changeup, at least towards the end of the inning. I'm going to give Williams a lot of leeway here. I think he's been a little bit unlucky, and he's been better than we want to think. I could be wrong. Maybe in two weeks, Williams will be a hot mess, and he'll be like, okay, maybe I just, maybe I'm rationalizing this. I don't know. I thought fatigue became a factor yesterday. He threw 37 pitches. Now, only 20 of them were strikes, so he made his bed to a certain degree. He had to lay in it. Right. Of course he was tired. He couldn't get anyone out, and that's his fault. Right. But towards the end of the inning, he couldn't command his changeup. His fastball just wasn't getting by anyone, I think, because he was tired. I don't think this is a huge issue. He's so often in these innings, one or two pitches away from getting out of it, and he just hasn't found that put-away pitch. He's getting guys into two-strike counts. The Cardinals, who are a really good offensive team, just did a really good job batting. And not going down, not swinging and missing. Even if you've got to foul pitches off, work the count, work from behind in the count. If you fall behind one and two, working it back, working it full, putting the pressure on Williams to throw more pitches and maybe even get on with a walk, right? I thought Craig Council broke down what's going on with Devin Williams really well after the game last night. No, they're long. It's long at bats. We're not getting anything. Uh, we're not getting anything done early. And, you know, Dev, Devin's a strikeout pitcher. And that's... Um... You know, that that can happen, but um, he's not getting that, you know, what's happened is not getting the swing and miss, and, and he's not finishing at bats early um, once he's getting the two strikes, um, and he's not getting balls in play early either. He's just one pitch away in some of these innings, but in some of these at-bats, too. I've seen him get the first two outs easily and then just struggle to put the last guy away. He's getting ahead of guys. He'll get ahead of a guy 0-2. Two strikes, no balls, and then he just, if, if he can't blow the fastball by a guy, guys will catch up to it, or they'll do just good enough to foul it off and make him keep pitching, 
Or with the changeup, yeah, yesterday towards the end, he couldn't locate it. But in the beginning of the inning, I think with Arenado or maybe even who was hitting in front of Arenado, I can't remember, the guys are just putting really good swings on his changeup. And Bill Schroeder, who makes me laugh, will point this out. If someone gets a hit off a Brewers pitcher, Bill Schroeder will go out of his way to be like, eh, it's not a bad pitch, you know? And sometimes it's not. Sometimes good hitting beats good pitching. But I, I thought yesterday, especially as Devin Williams has given up bloop singles into center or into left, and Cardinals are just kind of cheaping their way on base, not with hard contact, right? The exit velocity isn't all that high, just hitting balls to the outfield, just getting them out onto the grass, right? Devin Williams is, is in a lot of these cases, making a good pitch. Hitters are just getting better at finding that changeup. Now, he also couldn't throw the changeup for a strike, right? You got to be able to do that as well. His fastball is down a couple of ticks of velocity. Will Salmon put out a piece in The Athletic. It might have either been last night or this morning, right? Highlighting how his velocity is down. It was down in the spring. It's been down through the opening week. Now, it was up a little bit yesterday. It had dipped all the way down to 93. Yesterday, we saw him around 94. Maybe that's the difference, right? You get ahead 0-2, and you can't locate a changeup to put a guy away. Well, then that's when you need to be able to go to the high fastball. The problem is he couldn't get the high fastball by anyone yesterday. Cardinals hitters were doing just good enough to foul it off and keep the at-bat going. Another thing you see watching the Cardinals, a lot of foul balls, right? They do a very good job of keeping at-bats alive and staying in the game. They're really, really good at that. And that certainly wasn't a help to Devin Williams. It wasn't a help to Brandon Woodruff. Like I said, he was pitching well enough to go six or maybe go seven on Thursday. But Cardinals, they were just fouling balls off. They were prolonging innings. And then Lance Barrett wouldn't ring anybody up when he should have. So that forced Brandon Woodruff to throw an extra 15 or 20 pitches or whatever it turned out to be. We can keep talking about the Brewers if you like. This can be a, this can be a feel it out situation when we come back. We can keep talking about the Brewers. We can talk about the Bucks. I'm sure they'll come up as well. They got a seven point ugly win over the Bulls yesterday. We'll probably debrief with that game again at some point. I also got a couple Packers things I'd like to talk about. We'll get to that later on in the show as well. Let's take a break. Get his own update. Wisco Sports Show back in two minutes. Did I hear a huge sigh coming from this side of the room? I just laughed. I'm just sitting there like, they're not having a chance. They're not going to win a game. Oh, but do they have a chance? No, I didn't think they did. Even when they had the lead, I was like, Milwaukee's going to win the game. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I'm just feeling out the vibes here. Seems like we want to keep talking about the Brewers, which, by the way, I'm all for. I said my piece on the Bucks. If you missed it and you've joined the show since, it'll be in the podcast. I don't think yesterday's game really matters in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, the Bucs could have lost. They also easily could have won that game going away if you just change a couple of plays. Move on. History would tell us the Bucs are going to put the bulls on the pavement on Wednesday because that's how it works, or Tuesday or whenever the game is. I don't know. I'm supposed to know. I really should know. When do they play next? We've got the schedule here. It is... Two, when the heck do they play? Play Wednesday? Oh, they play Wednesday at 8.30. Yuck. Yuck. 
after Nets Celtics. History would tell us that the Bucks are going to make the Bulls break in game two. That's typically what happens, right? The home team, if they can win game one, you typically don't get a great effort after a close game one from the road team in game two. So we'll see. The Bulls will probably gear up for game three. That's probably when we'll see the Bulls' next best effort. We'll see. But I'm getting to feeling that people want to keep talking about the Brewers after a very interesting weekend series against the Cardinals. So let's do that. This is the Wisco Sports Show, and you can join me, 608-796-2558, as Richie in Eau Claire does. Richie, hello. Welcome to the show. Hey. Yeah, I, see, actually, I'm not calling in about baseball. I wanted to call and talk about water polo today. Oh, really? I love water polo, actually. As a former swimmer, yeah, I, I love water. I know nothing about it, but it's really fun to play. Oh, I think you're kidding. <laughs> I think you're kidding. Yeah, obviously, I'm kidding. Obviously, you know I am calling about the Brewers because that's, that's my thing. I love it. So, uh, yeah. Brandon and I actually talked quite quite a bit on our podcast last night about Devin Williams and what what we think might be going on there. And like honestly, I was I was a little surprised. In uh, there was a stretch where or like one of the back to back games where um, the the one night he threw a lot of pitches and he did finish his own inning. One of them where he didn't get lifted in the eighth inning, but he loaded the bases with nobody out and then had to strike out three in a row to get out of the inning, and he did so. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, after 35 pitches, whatever it was in that game, they, uh, you know, Craig put him back out there the next day. And I was a little surprised because that was the day that Burns went seven innings and they only needed two innings. Boxberger had barely thrown any pitches the night before. I, I really was kind of surprised that they didn't just go to Boxberger and give Williams the night off. And then Boxberger ended up having to come and finish Williams inning anyways. Um, so, you know, there's that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. again, I am not one to uh, question Craig Council, but it just made me wonder. Uh, you know, but as far as Devin Williams goes, I think part of it might even just be a little bit of adjustment from opponents this year, too, is because, you know, sure. it, it wasn't just Devin Williams. I've seen a lot of their opponents right now just being patient and watching pitches, and a, a part of Devin Williams' game is getting people to chase that changeup, and they just weren't chasing it, and he was getting behind in counts, so then they're not good. They're even less likely to chase it. And then he really has to rely on that, that high fastball. So I, I just think, uh, you know, a little bit of it might just be head games from the other side too. And it's just somewhere he's got to, he's got to find the balance and get ahead in, in counts to where guys are going to chase that change up. So, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of that. Um, you know, we also talked about, uh, you know, where to go from here. What do you do with him? You know, do we continue to try to trot him out for the eighth or do we look at the rest of our bullpen? And, uh, you know, Brandon, uh, in our first episode, he predicted that Trevor Gott was going to be, uh, he was going to be our, or his outbreak player of the year. Yeah. And I know it, our, our way too early confirmation is that he was absolutely right. Gott is looking great. So I think, you know, maybe if, even if it's only for a couple of weeks, maybe just let, uh, let Gott and Boxberger be the seventh and eighth inning guys. And let's let Williams have a little bit of time to, to, to fix it probably won't happen. This was just us spitballing, yeah. but you know, it, it is, it is interesting to see what's going on with Devin Williams to start this year. And you know, I'm, I'm not sure what the answer. I'm not sure either. I, it's gotta be a small tweak, Richie, I, because he's yeah. close. Like council said after the game, like he's getting up on guys. He's, he's in a position to put guys away. He just can't put guys away. And I think part of it is an adjustment, but it's funny. You know, you talk about how hitters, you know, we watch film, we watch video and, and you start to figure out pitchers. Well, that's what I was told about Yelich, that pitchers were watching so much film on Yelich that they found a way to attack him. 
So now does that mean Williams has got to get back and watch some video about how people are approaching him and then make adjustments to the adjustments? Like, that's just part of the game, and that's why the season is is so long and we see these ups and downs, right? My heart I guess I hadn't even heard that. I mean, I, I know they always talk about adjustments being made. But my counter to that is if they're making adjustments, why is he still leading the team in walks? This doesn't seem like a, a good adjustment to me by opposing pitchers. You know what? I think sometimes, Richie, I think Yelich is up there and counts get to a certain point, And I think Yelich mentally says, OK, I'm just going to try for a walk. I, I, and that's just me yeah. assuming I'm just kind of reading the room when I watch him. I think he gets to a point in a lot of these at-bats where a walk is a best-case scenario for him. And two years right. ago, I would never have believed that to be the case. I, I figured two years ago, he's upset when he gets walked, right? I, I think a walk in right. a lot of his at-bats, that's what he's hoping for. But but even that, I mean, so attack him. Don't walk him. You know, that's that's the thing for me. is like They're walking him like he's hitting like Barry Bonds, but he's hitting. We all know how he's hitting. He's not. So why is it, why are these teams still walking him as frequently as they are I, I just i don't know it's again it's one of those things we'll never have an answer to it just it's kind of perplexing <laughs> yeah it is i hope it's just a little tweak and he can get back on track and and that's the case yeah, thanks for sure well both yeah. of them you know yeah thanks richie we got to talk again soon i got some other guys who, who want to call and text about the always sorry to let you always. sorry brother yep have a good one 608-796-2558 schmidt on the north side is sent a text schmidt i don't understand what you're saying Oh, now I see what you're saying. Said it's a case of wall-itis. And I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, punching the wall. There's no way. There's that injuries lingering. Although, you talk about fastball velocity breaking off, right? Will Salmon, again at The Athletic, did a piece, I think it came out late last night or early this morning, about like five things going on with the Brewers right now. And one of them is about Gott, who Richie brought up. He's played really well. Another is about the Brewers' offense. Another thing that he highlighted when writing about Devin Williams is how his velocity has been down. Maybe that's because he broke his hand and couldn't work out. Maybe he lose a little, a little bit of that muscle. Maybe Schmidt's onto something. I don't know. Thank you for the text, Schmidt. Let's talk to Daryl, 608-796-2558. What's up, Daryl? What's going on? You hit the nail on the head on that last bit you just said. Yes. The fact that uh, Devin Williams uh, smacks his hand pretty badly as far as it goes, contrary to what others thought that I think he got it worse than he uh, uh, let on as far as it goes. And I actually think that uh, his grip on the ball has is, is changed enough, has been altered enough to uh, uh, throw that uh, less speed as far as the fastball and probably not controlling as much on the, um, uh, the off-speed stuff. The, you know, that, that does you know, throw you off as far as it goes. And it also tells me why they kept Josh Hader. Because in that instance, as far as it goes, you need to keep Hader. Because if they were talking about moving Devin, Devin to the ninth inning, mm-hmm. as they, as as word was going around Milwaukee, as far as it goes, yeah. that why uh, Josh Hader would have been traded. Reason tra- Hader didn't get traded wasn't because the money wasn't out there or there wasn't players out there. It was because Devin Williams wasn't ready to be the closer because of that fact alone that that he did what he did. So, therefore, I honestly think that the feast and famine brewers, and I've got to say this, mm-hmm. the offense is feast or famine. The pitching, because of the walks, has become suddenly feast or famine. So, as a result, I also think that the brewers have to find a way to shake that out somewhere. But I think Devin is good, needs to move out of the eighth inning role. I agree with you there. For now, move him out of the eighth inning, um, maybe a little earlier in the game, like in the sixth inning or something like that. 
and shake some of that, uh, both uh, the, the issues that he's having right now and maybe get some of his confidence back because that's the other thing that you could see it in his face when he was pitching. You could see that he was grimacing in various ways Yeah, if you were really looking carefully. And and to me, that it, it looked to me that he was not um, ready, not prepared as far as it goes. I think rushing this spring training that didn't help him any. Yeah. And I think that he's just not 100%. One more thing I want to say about the Bucks. Yeah, go ahead. And I, you knew I, you knew I was going to have to say something about the Bucks. I was hoping the Bucks. You're okay. The Bucks over the last ten games, including this playoff game, have become turnover itis. Yeah, yeah. Have become turnover itis, and be, with those tur- higher higher amount of turnovers, they are putting themselves in a position where they have to play such fantastic basketball to overcome them. And yesterday's game was an example where they weren't fantastic, but they were playing the Bulls. Yeah. (laughs) And if they had been any, if it had been Boston, or it had been Brooklyn, had it been Philadelphia, you know, had it been anybody else better than the Bulls, the Bucks would have lost and they would have had their hands, had it handed to them. The other thing is, I can see the other reason why you keep uh, Giannis on the bench for five fouls. Yeah. I wouldn't have probably put him back into the last minute part of the game. Why? Because if this, if for some odd reason, for some odd reason, you wind up in overtime, yeah, that's when you want Giannis on the floor, yeah, because then you know it's five minutes and it's do or die. Yeah. No, I, I okay. I, I, think I I, I think I would have kept personally. I would have put Giannis back in the game. Um, it was going to come down to free throws. It was going to come down to things that uh, uh, isn't truly Giannis's strength. Mm-hmm. And I would have also thought thought about maybe what about Ibaka? Yeah. What I about mean, Sergio? Do you think he's ready? Yeah, to go? I mean, I, like, see, honestly, like like you know how you you have a car that sits in the garage for a while or a boat in the spring, and you need to kind of like get it ready. It hasn't been out in a couple of months. Do you think they're just ready to grab Serge Ibaka? I don't think he was would have been ready to go in, even if they needed him. For two minutes. That's all I was looking for was two minutes. Two minutes when he got when when Giannis got that uh, early fourth foul yeah. when he got that fourth foul warm him up <laughs> I would have wanted I would I would have wanted Serge in there just to give notice give the Bulls notice yeah. that hey at this point in time now it's going to get physical and you're not going to like the consequences oh Daryl you're right I think you're onto something here I appreciate the phone call this is why I love. Even if Serge Ibaka hasn't played, this is why I love the spirit behind that trade is because the Bucks have choices. They can go Brooke Lopez, Giannis, Bobby Portis, Serge Ibaka. All those dudes are huge. The Bucks can be bigger. I mean, they're going to be bigger than the Bulls regardless, but they can be as big as the Celtics who have Horford and Robin Williams, right? And Tatum and Brown are obviously big. The same way that Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are big. The Bucks are long the same way that the Celtics are long, but they need that size to compete with Philly. They need that size, I think, against Miami. I think they're bigger and stronger. I think that's an advantage. They can beat Miami up on the boards, and they can really pummel a team if they're running Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero or Max Strauss or all these smaller, more finesse perimeter players out there. I like Serge Ibaka on this team. I don't know what his role is going to be, but given that it was kind of Serge Ibaka or Dante, I don't know what Dante would be doing in a series like this either. I just, I don't know. I don't think that highly of Dante. We could talk more about that later. 
Daryl, you said one thing about the Brewers that I want to talk about more before we take a break. Devin Williams and why they didn't trade Josh Hader. This is interesting. This is going to be me making a mountain out of a molehill. This is going to be me blowing something up and, and maybe creating conversation from nothing. But it's worth discussing, okay? I remember at the end of the season last year talking to my Brewers guests. It's not like I was talking to Atanasio or Council, but I was talking to people who cover the team, who are at the ballpark, who have FaceTime with players and with Council, and who are just like, they're, they're part of the inner working of the team, right? And there's something to be said for that. There's a reason why beat reporters are at games when they could easily watch them on TV. There's a reason why beat reporters want to be in the locker room and in the tunnel versus on a Zoom call. There's a reason why those people are there, right? I remember talking to Brewers guests, and it seemed a little bit like a foregone conclusion that Hater was going to be gone. And there was always this implication that there was something behind the scenes where Hater and the Brewers weren't exactly meshing together. And I don't think it was just money. There, there was just a chasm between these two. And maybe the Brewers were prepared to move on without Hater, assuming they could find a trade. I think that's a big reason why they didn't deal him, is they're not just going to deal him to deal him. They need a haul, and I don't blame them. Maybe the Brewers looked around this offseason and thought, okay, we got Josh Hader, who you could argue has the best start of a closer ever. Kimbrell's up there. There's some other closers. Craig Council talked about this yesterday. The the start that Josh Hader has been off on his career the last couple of years is unprecedented. You're not just going to deal that guy to deal him. But the Brewers maybe looked around and thought, okay, we have this unreal closer, and we don't need to trade him. Maybe we'd like to trade him because we're probably not going to pay him eventually, and we could get a haul. And we got this Devin Williams guy, and maybe once upon a time, we thought that we were going to be able to go to Devin Williams, but this dude went and punched a wall before we're going to try to win a World Series, broke his hand. And I, I bet everyone in the locker room, everyone on the team would tell you that's not who Devin Williams is. He made a dumb mistake, and I'm all for making dumb mistakes. But I'm, I'm also, especially over the last two years, I'm also pretty focused on guys' personality, the way they're wired, because I think it matters. I think it matters how a quarterback is wired or how a, a, a superstar in the NBA is wired. Just look at Russell Westbrook versus Chris Paul versus all point guards. It, it, it matters. If you are in a position, an important position on your sports team, I think your personality matters. The way you're wired matters. And maybe the Brewers looked around and thought, do we really want to give the keys of the car to this dude? We had great odds to go try to contend for a World Series and our second best reliever, who's we thought might be the future, he went and got drunk and punched a wall. Like, ah, maybe not. Maybe we don't want to give the, the keys to the car to this guy. I don't know. Just something to think about. Let's talk to David Minona really quickly before we take a break. Dave, what's going on? <laughs> water polo? Hey, really? Hey, hey. I, I, I really? understand. I'm not going to watch water polo on TV. I was a swimmer for two years in high school. Dude, water polo is fun. And it's it's really hard. It's a really it's hard. It's it's not croquet <laughs> on the lawn in in polo shirts, Dave. It's it's if a you, tough if sport. You, if, if you say so, <laughs> you never you never played, dude. Water polo, you get tired quick, and you're you're getting dunked under the water, and you're swallowing pool water. You're trying not to drown, like dude. It's hard. Oh, help me, Lord. <laughs> yeah, holy oh, oh, yeah. A couple of things for for the Brewer fans. I, I love it because uh, number one, you only score thirty-one runs. That, that, that's all you need to know why they're losing. Yeah. And number two, Williams, he can't get his changeup over. That, that, that's why he struggled. But look at the last Tuesday's game to play Baltimore. Lord, the base is up. You know how to get the next three batters out? His changeup's working. It's not as fast as curveball, but you can't get your changeup over your history. 
you know, and three, you have to trade Hader. He has to be gone because he will bring back at least three to four quality, probably top three or four, maybe yeah. two top 50 players. And he's he's the one commodity the Brewers have that's going to bring back, you know, to, to re, uh, redo the uh, minor league system. Yeah. And the last one, you, you, I mean, you, if, if Pickle Yellish can't hit, which he can't, he's a one-year wonder, and he walks all the time, oh, they put the damn guy leading him off, you put the Willie Adonis second, and you put um, um, Renfro third. That's a good You're going to score runs if he's going to get on base. I hate to do all the work for these, you know, for Brewer fans because it makes me <laughs> sick. And it's so enjoyable when they lose. But I mean, it's Pickle Yellish is not your three hitter. He's not going to hit. He was a one year wonder. People get two over years. it. Two year wonder. Oh, two years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I I worry about you. I really do. I mean, water polo and lawn jarts and long parties. I That's why I'm glad you're coming down to a Cub game. You're actually going to hang around and be, go to a man sport. And you're actually going to be around and drinking beer, talking smart, and, which is going you know, to be nice to train you a little bit, you know? Oh, God. Um, yeah. You no, know, you're, you're not wrong. No, you're not wrong. Dave, it's not like I'm playing water polo every day. It's been years. But it's fun. You get a group of guys together. You get in the water on a hot oh, summer day. You start you whipping go, that ball around. There you go. Let's get a bunch of guys to go water polo when we're done. We'll play some miniature golf, and then <laughs> at night we'll sit, we'll sit around a lawn party. God, it's going to be hard to kind of break you in to go to a brewery game and do what you know, do a real man's to like shoot dice or, you know, play bag, bag, uh, almost like bag bitten. Oh, my God. And that's right up here, you know, like bag bitten. You, you told me once upon a time that I couldn't play cribbage, that that's not manly. What am I, your list of things that I'm allowed to do is very small, Dave. I, I got to say. Yeah, you know, you know, bring the cribbage board down that day. I, I've been, I've been, I've been known to uh, take a few young bucks for uh, for a few for a few shekels. I, right? I, I don't care how old, I don't care how old <laughs> you are to put you in your place. Can I? Can I ask you? So, Dave, you can't see. Can you play cards? And I mean this obviously respectfully. Can you play cards? Can you play cards? Yeah, they're yeah, they're brill cards. I okay. I, I play. I used to play Texas Hold'em like like a madman. That one and uh, you know, the, the face started. You know, played hold them po- poker all the time. We did, we have poker games, and now it's funny because the last couple of years I've been reading on body language and vo- voice deflection and all trying to you know trying to teach my driver all yeah. the different ways of deception. And I, I wouldn't teach him anything about you. I just, just got to listen to you for five minutes and going, oh my god. <laughs> well, that's why you got to bring. That's why you got to bring your father. So at least at least you'll have two people there that. Just for maybe for hope. Oh my god! Will change you. I will. Uh, I will try to get my dad to come to a brewery <laughs> game with you. I, I will do my best. I don't know. Waterfall will help you, Lord. <laughs> Have a good one, Dave. Thanks for the call. Six zero. I know he's going to hang up. He never says bye. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Let's take a break. It's not like I play water polo every day, but it's fun. Played it years ago when I was a swimmer. It was a really fun game. Let's take a break. We can talk more about the Brewers. We can talk more about the Bucks. I want to get to the Packers at 530. That's the only thing I have planned for the rest of my show. So if you want to text or call, the rest is up to you. We'll talk more Brewers Bucks coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out. We're talking water polo. Um, 
mostly mostly water polo a big water polo show how did that come up in the first place oh richie brought it up that's right i played a played a couple games of water polo in my day it's a fun sport it's not for the faint of heart though it's no croquet on the lawn as dave monona would make it out to be if you'd like to call please do uh and get the taste of david monona out of the show 608-796-2558 you can find me on twitter at wisco grant as well i want to do packers next should we kind of recap our bucks games bucks game thoughts and brewers here at once really quickly with the bucks and i started the show with a long rant on how i feel about yesterday's game the bucks won by seven 93 to 86 right the bucks probably should have won by more Bulls fans would tell you that they played poorly and still almost won. Bucks fans would tell you that their team played terrible and still won. Like it's, you can use yesterday's game as an argument to really build up the Bucks or the Bulls. Now the Bucks won. They're the higher seed. They're at home. They're better than the Bulls. So there's that, which is an important factor. Obviously, you can use this game to make an argument either way. I think what's worthwhile and what's important to remember is that the Bulls could have won yesterday's game. Yeah, if you just change a couple of things, like Vooch makes a couple more bunnies, maybe hits another three. DeRozan hits a couple of shots. DeRozan went 6 of 25. Let's say he goes 10 of 25. And let's say the Bulls don't fall behind 21 to 9 in the first quarter. Then the Bulls probably win this game. And it doesn't take a lot of maneuvering. It doesn't take a lot of editing to put the Bulls in front. Maybe the Bulls win 93-86, right? It's very reasonable. It's also very reasonable that the Bucks blow the Bulls out in this game and win by 15, right? The Bucks had 21 turnovers. Take away three of them. I highlighted three of them to start the show. They were all in the fourth quarter. 11-29 remaining, Bucks up three. Should be an easy transition dunk. Instead, Grace Allen throws it into the stands. Okay. 6.58 left in the fourth quarter. Bucks are up three, 77-74. Drew Holiday throws it away on the worst bounce pass I've ever seen. Colby White drives down, gets a layup, Right? 337 remaining in the fourth quarter. Bucks are up 85-80. Giannis has this nice little sneaky underneath pass to Brooke Lopez, who's open, probably can go up and at least get a foul, if not a dunk or a layup, and he fumbles it out of bounds because they're playing in close quarters in a phone booth. It's tough. If you just if you just take away those three turnovers, the Bucks probably win by 10 or more. Let's say they shoot 30% from three instead of 26. Their season average was 36 and a half, right? They probably run away with it. So I know a lot of people might say that the Bucks got lucky. All right, the Bucks were lucky to come out of there with a win. Yeah, I also think the Bulls were kind of lucky that it was close, right? In the same way. And that's not meant to be disrespectful to Chicago or disrespectful to the Bucks. but I'm saying you can easily say, yeah, the Bulls should have won, but you could also easily say, yeah, the Bucks also should have ran away with this thing by 10 to 15 points, right? And look at Brooke Lopez, by the way. We talked a lot about Brooke Lopez last week as a useful offensive player who's a pure scorer. And who can help win you games? Let's say Giannis gets in foul trouble. Turn to Brooke Lopez. What happened yesterday? Giannis gets in foul trouble. They turn to Brooke Lopez, who poured in 18 points. Drew Holiday did not play well. <laughs> Let's just put it plainly. I think he had, what, four turnovers? I'll make sure I have it right. Yeah, he had four turnovers. Chris Middleton had seven. Puke. Drew uh, Holiday had four turnovers. He also had seven, or did he have nine points in the fourth quarter? He had nine points in the fourth quarter. It was 15. That was the story of the Bucs in the playoffs last year. Chris Middleton wasn't great every game. Drew Holiday wasn't great every game. But even when Chris or Giannis or Drew played poorly, 
they would show up in a big moment and make a big play. And sometimes that's more important than the final box score, right? I don't remember how many points Drew Holiday had in that game. I think it was game five in Phoenix, the the steal and the alley-oop game. I don't remember how many points Drew Holiday had in that game. What I remember is the steal of Booker and the alley-oop to Giannis. Drew Holiday might have had six points in that game. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. What matters was in the biggest moment, he still found a way to put his stamp on that game. And in a weird, ugly, twisted way in yesterday's game, Drew Holiday was able to do the same. And I think that's important. That's a lesson that we got to remember through the playoffs. Don't obsess over final scoring totals and box score numbers and plus minus. Watch the game and come away from the game saying, okay, did Chris Middleton make an impact on that game? In a big moment when he was needed, did he come through? That's sometimes, a lot of times, more important than the final number on the box score. Instead of saying, oh, Chris Middleton, he only had, uh, he only had how many did he have yesterday? 11. He only had 11 points. Yeah, but did six of those come in the final three minutes of the fourth quarter when they really needed it? That's important. That makes a difference. That's the difference between winning and losing in playoff games. We saw that with Drew a little bit yesterday. Still, it was really bad. It had some horrendous turnovers, but in this weird, ugly, gross, twisted game, he was still able to score nine fourth quarter points, and that was a big reason why they closed it out. Hector in on Alaska tweeted this or texted this. Uh, Watch some of the USFL, but it doesn't grab my attention. Yeah, I'm with you. I did catch the thriller that went down in Boston. Great game. Uh, Kyrie pulled the James Harden and played stellar defense on that last play. Uh, that's funny. Kind of random, but do you think Colin Kaepernick may try and take a shot at joining the USFL? No, probably not. Uh, your text goes along, seeing you're about the Bucks. I'll read it. He says, also speaking of the box, I was listening to Dan Patrick's show earlier today. He had people filling in for uh, the Danettes. He said that Phoenix is so far ahead of anybody else in the NBA as far as talent. Regardless of who comes out of the East, the Phoenix Suns will most likely sweep, if not win in five games. What are your thoughts on that? Um, That's a good point. I do. Oh, I Man, the Suns are good. I mean, they're going to be favored over whoever comes out of the East, including the Bucks. Thing about the Suns, and maybe this is just how I'm trying to rationalize it as a Bucks fan. Thing about the Suns is they are a well-oiled machine to win as many regular season games as possible, right? And they were the same way last year. And you get them in a tough spot where you play them seven times in two weeks, you start to beat them up a little bit, nagging injuries start to play a role, especially with a guy like Chris Paul. You start to beat them up. You start to play physical. The environment is different in the playoffs. Boston, or not Boston, Phoenix may very well roll through everybody, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they start to wear down a little bit and they get to the finals and they get out to a lead, and like the Bucs did last year, some team comes out of the East and beats them up and wears them down and comes back and is able to wear them down over the course of a series. But Phoenix is way better than everyone. I agree. Chuck, Chuck last night on TNT... Um, was talking about how he thinks Phoenix is one of the deepest teams in the NBA. It's like, yeah, no kidding, Chuck. They didn't even play Bismarck, uh, B- uh, uh, Biombo, Shamet, who both who have had good <laughs> can solid I, can, I, can I answer the question? <laughs> Bismack Biombo, not Bismarck Biombo, and Landry Shamet. Shamet. <laughs> they didn't even play Bismarck, Biombo, Shamet. I love Charles Barkley so much. Let's take a break. I want to talk Packers. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the draft, and I want to talk about the addition of Sammy Watkins, which is sneaky kind of a big deal. We haven't talked about that yet. Let's do that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I want to talk about the Packers, Sammy Watkins, some draft stuff. Did you guys see today Kendrick Lamar is going to drop an album in early May? This is excellent. Excellent news. You know, Damn, so Damn came out in 2017 and he hasn't put out anything since. It came out in 2017, right? Damn, Kendrick release. When did that come out? Early 2017. Okay, so April 14th. Basically, what? Five, is that five years ago? 18, 19, 21, 22, four years ago. Never said I was good at math. That album still holds up. It's still unreal. But we're getting new Kendrick. Guys, this is a big deal. We should be talking about this more. We knew Kendrick Lamar in less than a month. Let's go. Just in time for it to get warmer outside, cruise around, listen with the windows down. Mm-hmm. This is a good week. Bucks are 1-0 against the Bulls. we got more games on tonight. Brewers start a series against the Pirates tonight just before 7. So pregame going to start on all these stations at 6.05. Life is good, folks. Still uh, fat and happy. Green bean casserole and ham yesterday from Easter. I am uh, I'm in a good spot. Got a plate of leftovers waiting for me when I get home. I'm happy as a clam today. I hope you're doing well as well. Give me a text or a call. 608-796-2558. Twitter. At Wisco Grant, if Twitter works better than a text or a call, or you can just sit back and enjoy the show. You don't need to participate. It's fine. It's totally 100% fine. I have a couple Packers things I want to hit. First, uh, we signed a wide receiver, guys. We did it. We did it. Mission accomplished. Sammy Watkins is a Packer. He signed last Thursday, but I was not on Thursday because the Brewers, I was on vacation on Friday. So this is the first time, really, we have a chance to talk about it. It's a one-year deal. It's worth up to $4 million. I got a text here from GWP Dad. I thought it was a pretty good take. He says, my hot take of the day, a healthy Sammy Watkins, even at $4 million a year, provides significantly more value than Randall Cobb at $8.5 million a year. Uh, yes. Especially if Aaron Rodgers just doesn't want to throw Randall Cobb the ball for whatever reason. Yes, Sammy Watkins is much more valuable at a way better number. He's worth half, even if he makes max of this contract, which should be $4 bucks. Yeah, I think he's worth a lot more than Randall Cobb at the number Cobb is at. I don't have much to say about the Sammy Watkins signing. I can tell you the same thing every blogger and every Packers podcaster has been saying for days. You ready? Here we go. This is my breakdown. This is a good move. Uh, this, is, this is a good move, uh, but they're not done. No, oh, oh, Brian Gutekinds at 1265, not done. Uh, this absolutely does not uh, limit them, does not prohibit them in the draft from drafting a wide receiver. No, 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 no. They're going to continue to add. They're, this is just the beginning for the Packers. Yep was every podcast and every blog that I read <laughs> over the week. There's really not that much to say about the Sammy Watkins deal. It's a nice depth piece, a deep threat if he's healthy. I don't want to be this guy. Um, and I, I felt the same way with the Rich Bisaccia hire. It kind of feels like this is two years too late. I'm glad we have Sammy Watkins. I'm glad we have a legit special teams coordinator in Rich Bisaccia. I'm amped. I'm psyched. It's great. But I kind of wish we would have done this two years ago. <laughs> you know, it feels feels like a little bit, it feels like a little too late. Imagine if Green Bay would have hired a veteran special teams coordinator two years ago and signed a vet wide receiver like Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins was under contract for the last three years in Kansas City. I think he signed there in 2017 or 2018. So he hasn't been available, but you could find a guy like Sammy Watkins. Um, his skill set is nothing too particular. I wish we could go back and redo the last two years and just and just change a couple of things as an experiment, just, just for fun, just for kicks, just re-simulate the last couple of years. I would love to go back 
to the San Francisco game in January of 2020. I'd love to redo, well, I'd love to redo that game, first of all, but then, then once the Packers lose in the NFC Championship game to Kyle Shanahan, Robert Salah, and Jimmy G, who only threw eight times or whatever it was, redo that offseason. I think if we could go back and redo that offseason, would have fired Mike Patton and hired anyone. Anyone. The Joe Barry hire to me is, is just a signal and a bit of evidence that most anyone was going to be better than Mike Patton. I don't think Joe Barry is an upgrade over Mike Patton. I just don't think Mike Patton was very good. So you got someone who just had some new ideas, new energy, and that was Joe Barry. I don't think Joe Barry's a superstar. I just think he's not Mike Patton. Just It does take a genius to upgrade. So let's say they upgrade defensive coordinator immediately following that loss to San Francisco, which I thought would have been prudent given they gave up like 200-plus yards rushing, but whatever. I guess that wasn't a death knell for Patton. So change defensive coordinators. Draft anyone other than Jordan Love. Anyone. Literally any position on the field. Draft the punter. It would have been more helpful than Jordan Love. Cornerback would have been useful as an extra body in that game against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game when Kevin King was banged up. Wide receiver would have been useful, again, this year when MVS was banged up towards the end of the year or when no one could get open, again, against Tampa Bay. Offensive lineman. Oh, we were without some offensive linemen against Tampa Bay in that playoffs. An offensive lineman, a guard or a tackle. That would have been helpful. A linebacker, a safety, anyone, anyone other than Jordan Love with that first-round pick. Then in that same offseason, after changing defensive coordinators and drafting literally anyone other than a quarterback, sign a wide receiver like Sammy Watkins. He wasn't available until last offseason to Baltimore where he signed a one-year deal. So it wouldn't have been able to be Sammy Watkins, but sign someone like Sammy Watkins, right? Mid-level deal, one-year deal, depth guy, right? Not Devin Funches. Jesus, no. Someone, someone else. And then hire a special teams coach with a shred of competence, Okay. Let's say the Packers do those four things. They come out of that San Francisco loss in 2020. Matt LaFleur just finishes his first season, and he says, okay, I got a feel for this. New D.C., new special teams coordinator. We're going to add a depth wide receiver, and we're going to draft not Jordan Love. Do all those things. Now we're two years later. How would our life be different? Do you think the last two years go differently if those things were done in 2020? Now, the defensive coordinator may or may not be Joe Barry. If it, if it still turns out to be Joe Barry, that means they would have hired Joe Barry in the first place, which would have been kind of odd, or they would have been one and done with the next defensive coordinator before moving on to Joe Barry, right? The special teams coordinator, I, I don't I don't know how that would have impacted things. I'd like to think that if Rich Bisaccia was the special teams coordinator starting two years ago, or if it was anyone other than Mo Drayton, maybe they don't get a punt block and a kick block and give up a touchdown all in one playoff game against the Niners. I'd like to think that if they drafted someone other than Jordan Love, that depth came to play a little bit against Tom Brady at home in that NFC Championship game. And if you sign a wide receiver like Sammy Watkins, that both could have been useful last year and this year because MBS wasn't healthy. Do you get what I'm saying? How would things have gone differently the last two years? How would our life be different with just those four changes? I don't think they're four changes that are unreasonable to talk about. They change special teams coordinators anyways. They change defensive coordinators anyways. I don't think Jordan Love is going to play anyways. They signed Sammy Watkins anyways. It seems like the Packers this offseason did a bunch of things that they should have already done. So it's good. I'm glad Sammy Watkins is here, but I, I feel like this might be a little too little too late. Let's talk to Jim in Madison. Jim, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Hey, I, I, I love the show. Okay. Oh, well, thank you. <clears throat> 
But right now, <laughs> this is so much armchair quarterbacking. I mean, come on. He's better than this. Uh, what if, what if, what if, what if? Well, I'm, uh, I'm just here about, to ask the, the philosophical questions, Jim. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I do get it. I mean, you know, I could look at my bears and I could do that all day long, but uh, <clears throat> uh, love was, if you look back, and when they when they took love on, sure, there were so many kudos and so much from the Green Bay Packer fans, and <clears throat> just because, I'm sorry to say it, no. uh, Rodgers is a great quarterback, but being a prima donna and playing out, you guys paid more pain because of an attitude. And I can look at what you're saying here, um, but you know I played football and. I can go on my career and that kind of stuff and go, what if, what if, what if? Yeah. And I think you guys are going to be really, really good. But I think also, you can't, I'm just telling you, bro, looking back on this um, and, and the what ifs, I, even though it's fun in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I, I think you're, I, I think it's so much better than this. And I think with the Bulls, and Milwaukee, Milwaukee will go four and zero on it, okay? But mm-hmm. I am pretty proud of where the Bulls have come, and <clears throat> I'm glad you didn't take it away from them because there are some there are some players in there, not whatifers. <laughs> I think I I really believe that they're going to be players that are going to benefit down the road. So I just give you my two cents. I support you 100, percent bro. I just was listening to this and going, oh my gosh, okay. So, I shut up now. <laughs> well, thanks, Jim. I'm glad to know that you hold this show to a standard, and you expect a certain standard. My Okay, so I'm not trying to relitigate the last two years. I don't mean to dwell on this. Chances are things would have played out exactly the same. They had a great opportunity to beat the Buccaneers at home, and they just couldn't do it. Their defense pitched a shutout against San Francisco, and they still couldn't win. It's not that this team was being prohibited from winning in the playoffs by the front office. That's not what I'm saying. But, Jim, this, this is why I'm talking about this. Think of everything the Packers have done last offseason and this offseason. Getting a new defensive coordinator, getting a new special teams coach, right? Going and signing a veteran wide receiver. We think these are all good things. They're all, they're all good things. I, I'm just, I, I'm looking back and maybe the Packers dragged their feet a little bit more than they should. They probably waited too long to move off of Thompson and they probably waited too long to move off of McCarthy. The Packers don't do things quickly. And I love all the things that they've done this offseason. I mean, things in their control, right? Losing Adams, that was just the reality. Losing some other guys, it's just the reality when you pay your quarterback as much as you pay him. That's a whole other conversation, right? I think some of these moves have been really good. I guess I'm just left wondering, why haven't we done this previously? Because maybe the last couple of years will go down differently. Although, I don't think very highly of Rodgers as a playoff performer. I don't really know how anyone could after the last two years. Had plenty of chances to get it done. Just didn't. Whatever. That's a separate conversation. I want to talk about one more Packers thing, and this isn't as much of a what if. This is actually something that was said on Good Morning Football this morning by Kyle Brandt. He's mad at the Packers. I'm going to play you what he said, and then we're going to react to it. I know, super original thing to do on sports radio. That's never been done before. We'll (laughs) wrap up the Wisco Sports Show with that. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Radio Sports Show, I'd like to issue a formal apology to Jim and Madison. Jim's pissed. He tuned in expecting <laughs> serious, legit sports talk with standards. Uh, and I was doing Packers what ifs. Uh, hack radio on my part. I'm sorry, Jim. I will be better. <laughs> Tomorrow, uh, we're probably going to talk Brewers a lot more than we did today. We barely scratched the surface. And probably do some more draft stuff. I feel like we've neglected the draft a little bit. Maybe talk about some wide receiver prospects. I subscribe to Pro Football Focus. I could do a draft. Maybe I should do that tonight while watching basketball games just to kind of get in the groove. I want to wrap up tonight's show by playing you something that was on Good Morning Football this morning. Uh, Kyle Brandt, who I believe is a Bears fan. He hosts a podcast. He's he's a very well-rounded media guy. Pop culture, I believe, as we say now. And he's upset with the Packers because they refused to take wide receivers in the first round. Uh, here's his rant. I, I want us to react to this. Since Javon Walker, 19 years ago, and now two picks, reasonable picks. Not like you have the five and the seven when you're Way back there in the 20s, you are gifted these two picks in a year that is turgid with wide receiver talent. For the love of God, will you please break this streak? It is the longest streak in the history of the modern draft, 19 years Please take a wide receiver. I'm not even going to push it and say take two and get crazy, although you should to cover your bets and just hope that one hits. But they have this thing where they're so spoiled, and I almost think they like this streak and that they're proud of this streak. Is that We don't do this as a company. You don't win Super Bowls either. It's been a long time. Wow. You have Rodgers. You have Favre. Help them. Help them help you. You have two picks. Please spend one of them on a wide receiver. I don't think that's crazy to ask. Are you watching the game? Show Are you watching the where the league is going? Show Are you watching what's going in the offseason? I actually agree with a lot of that. Um, I just like to say off the bat, I, me, as a Packers owner and lifelong Packer fan, I can complain that the Packers haven't won a Super Bowl since 2011. Every other fan base can kiss our ass because we have won a lot of world championships, a lot of Super Bowls, and we're one of the very few teams that can say we've won a Super Bowl in very recent history. So I I can complain. You cannot. So Kyle Brandt says you don't win Super Bowls either. Well, that's a load, uh, and that crossed the line. So as a Packers fan and an owner, uh, I have to intercede and stop you right there. Also, stop bringing up Javon Walker. That doesn't matter. Oh, it's been since Javon Walker since they've taken it. Who cares? That's, That's such an irrelevant piece to this. I weirdly agree with Kyle Brandt when he said that the Packers take some weird sense of pride in not taking wide receivers in the first round. I absolutely believe that to be the case. One hundred, I bye 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 bye. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I agree with that. I bet they do. I bet they do take some weird, twisted pride in being the organization that like toes the line and stand stands tall against first wide, uh, first round wide receivers. I saw this blog that was tweeted out by Cheesehead TV. Let me see if it's let me see if it's recent. I'm gonna scroll down here. Oh, oh, here, here it is. Uh it's a blog. I want to see who wrote it so I can give him a shout out. I have not read this. It's by okay, Ken Last. Okay. So the title of this blog is Looking for Prospects That Fit the Packer Receiver Way. Something that's really irked me the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to keep talking about this. And I swear, I want to get a Packers guest on to talk about it this week. Maybe we'll, you know what? I'm going to try to get Mike Renner. I, we almost had him a couple weeks ago. He had something come up. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try again. It irks me so much that the Packers are literal beggars with wide receivers right now. And yet they're still going to be choosers. And Packers fans, we treat them as choosers. It's like, well, we'll select a wide receiver if they fit our parameters.
All right. We play by our own rules. You have no one. You have old, oft-injured Randall Cobb and old, oft-injured Sammy Watkins. And I love Alan Lazard. I wish Aaron Rodgers loved Alan Lazard as much as I loved Alan Lazard because then maybe he'd throw him the ball. Okay? But that's not the reality that we live in. So we need wide receivers. So if I have to read one more blog or listen to another podcast where we have to talk about, well, do they fit the Packers, though? They, they simply must fit. No, I, I don't even know if I care about fit. We need guys. We need guys. Now I'm, now I'm upset. Okay. Tomorrow, we'll be back. Talk Brewers. Talk more Packers as well. Maybe do some draft stuff. The Wisco Sports Show. Brewers on in a couple minutes. Talk to you tomorrow starting at 4.